Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Folks, I hope everyone's having a good day. Uh, it's Thursday, almost done through the week. Uh, it's kind of a little, little dark and dreary, you know, uh, cloudy here, backing up here in the Midwest, especially in Michigan. Uh, basically getting a lot of rain. It snowed last week. Uh, typical Michigan weather. I tell everyone, you know, me living in the south for three years and then coming back up here, it's basically you get your six months of summer in the south and you get your six months of winter uh, up north. So, but with that being said, uh, it's raining today, but hey, it's it's somewhat humid, so it's like we're getting somewhat of a teaser of summer, somewhat. But either way, hey, I'll take it. It's a W in Michigan. That's for goddamn sure. But um, let's jump right into it. So <laughs> Thursday, we uh, come Friday, or tomorrow, I should say, we're a week away from Avengers Endgame. So for anyone that do- that does or does not follow Marvel uh, comics, let me give you a little, um, you know, let me give you some detail on how this whole lead up, it could be, could be arguably the greatest comic book movie of all time. Now, we have to go back about, I say a decade, go back to 08 era, right? Now, from from a lot of people that don't know, you know, from the 90s growing up as a kid, the Batman films, the Batman Forevers, Batman Returns, things of that nature, they were like, meh, they were so-so, they were childish, they were cartoonish, and... From, you know, some people would say, you know, they were trash. <laughs> Me as a kid, I was entertained. Yeah, you know, with the George Clooney, it was trash. But at the same time, it was entertaining. I mean, the casting for, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze was terrible. But, God, the puns, the puns and the sayings and the quotes, they were cheesy. But it was entertaining nonetheless. So, it, that kind of made it funny. And then they had Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, so I didn't mind that. Honestly, I think one of the most underrated roles was Jim Carrey as Edward Nigma, a.k.a. the Riddler. And <laughs> I thought he actually did a phenomenal job in that role because he fit the, like, the personality type perfectly. But in the 90s, Marvel and DC movies... They were never taken seriously, and I mean, kind of rightfully so, because I think CGI was still, was I wouldn't say bad, but it was still like, if you didn't have the right budget, or the right, you know, like Paramount Networks, or Warner Brothers, or Disney, or whoever to back you up, eh, most likely the film was going to be terrible, so, you know... There was a few hero films. You had the Batmans. You had, excuse me, late 90s. You you had Blade with Wesley Snipes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm leaving out a few here. Uh, you had Spawn. 
but you know like i said spawn even then that cgi wasn't it wasn't exactly like a jurassic park cgi you know so or titanic for that matter so um so you take it back to 08 and to me personally the greatest you know superhero film to this day still the dark knight the portrayal of joker heath ledger uh you, you have gary oldman as commissioner gordon uh christian bale as batman you get the gist of it so and directed by christopher nolan arguably one of the greatest directors of all time for them to be able to input the joker and have you know kind of an origin story of harvey dent and eventually him becoming two-face spoiler alert but <laughs> i mean if you haven't seen the dark knight by now that's not my problem <laughs> you, you should have seen the film by now Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face in the Dark Knight. And how they do a lead-up to a trilogy, you know, for the Dark Knight Rises. And how that pertains uh, to the previous film, The Dark Knight. So, the Dark Knight trilogy was done phenomenally. All directed by Christopher Nolan. And, you know, them doing Batman Begins. And again, like, it was just a preceding film to the Joker, you know, they have he, uh, a calling card for Joker at the end of Batman Begins, so A8, or excuse me, can't talk today, 2008 was a significant year for a startup brand, because 08 was the start of the Marvel Universe, you have the Iron Man, right, the very first Iron Man, that was the first, you know, legitimate Marvel movie that had the budget back up and all this and that, Robert Downey Jr., starts his comeback career because truth be told how many other movies can you name a robert downey jr besides anything marvel related you know what i mean so i <laughs> i like movies and i really can't name any other films that he was in you know prior to 2008 you know a lot of you know a lot of kids nowadays know him as just the iron man and that's it and that's fine but a lot, of people, a lot of people don't realize, you know, his past and whatnot, and his troubles and legal stuff. But you know, the past, past, futures now. So I don't focus on that kind of stuff. <laughs> Either way, you know, he's done a phenomenal job, and I think Iron Man. It was more of, I didn't think it had to be a hit, but it had to be something that was be able to give some other writers and other studios like. Uh, the razor eyebrows like hey you know we have something going on here that can lead to several other films and eventually lead up to standalone films such as Thor Captain America uh, Black Panther uh, Ant-Man you name it so eventually you know 2008 started the Marvel Universe and <coughs> the Batman films the trilogy ended in about 2012, give or take. And then Christopher Nolan was done, Christian Bale was done, you know, so and that was that. So Marvel started doing their thing. Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, then there was Thor. I can't remember the exact timeline, but they start bringing all these standalone films of certain heroes, their own films, and eventually they, they do the the first Avengers Assemble, which is a hit, and then they go off from there. So, I think 
a lot of a lot of I think why DC films don't do as great as Marvel films when it comes to the cinematic universe is because everything is kind of rushed. Now, by all means, I love the DC films. I'm not a hater. <laughs> like, I if I'm entertained by film, I'm you know, I'm not gonna complain. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like when you watch a Fast and Furious movie. You know it's going to be off the wall, like kind of impossible things. But hey, as long as you're entertained and you enjoyed it, then, you know, good for you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, DC Universe. They started after the trilogy of The Dark Knight. They, they came with uh, Man of Steel, Superman. And then after that, they did uh, Batman vs. Superman. Now, the only thing I probably... I, I wish they would have did one more Batman standalone. But, you know, when they casted Ben Affleck, I wish they would have did that. And that would have led up... You know, then they would do a Batman vs. Superman. But either way, I still enjoy Batman vs. Superman. Uh, that's probably unpopular opinion. But I did You know, I wasn't... I enjoyed it. Um, I will say the animated movie of Batman vs. Superman, when they went off the comics of The Dark Knight Returns, I will say that was better. But either way, both great films, in my personal opinion. And then, after the Batman vs. Superman, um, they do the Suicide Squad, and then they did the Justice League. Now, here's why I thought they could have done better at the Justice League. Um... They did all the standalone superhero movies after Justice League. So, I just wish they, you know, DC would have went the route the way Marvel did. Do the standalone films. You know, if they, had they have done um, Superman, you know, they did Superman standalone, Batman standalone, Wonder Woman, um, you know, Cyborg, Aquaman. Then I think Justice League would have, you know, they would have been a little bit more successful in the box office. Some fans don't like how they just kind of mashed it up all together at once in a single film like Justice League. I didn't mind it because I knew what was going on. I'm kind of a nerd like that, so I'm like, all right. So I'm not going to complain about it. So I didn't mind it one bit. So... I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, DC Universe, he just, it, some fans don't like a quick recap, you know, and then it's like, boom, here, you know, here's the premise, here's the plot, whatever. So, I didn't mind it, so, I still gotta see Shazam, I heard Shazam is good, so I'm happy about that, I'm happy I'm hearing good reviews on that, so, I still gotta check out uh, Shazam, but either way, Marvel has done uh, a great job of doing all this lead up for the past 10 years. So, Infinity War, you know, they knocked it out the park. Um, so, you know, they do two separate films and now to this. So, the question really, I mean, what happens after this? You know what I mean? But we can have discussion after that because... Um, I probably won't see it right away because one, it's a three-hour flick. Two, I'm not gonna go in a theater that's packed. I'll probably go like on a morning or something. You know what I mean? Uh, when 
when I have one of my days off and it's like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, like an odd day, you know what I mean? And because, man, a three-hour three movie, you got to have some serious bladder control. There's no, I don't. <laughs> but, man, when it comes to bladder, I, I, I drink a lot of water, so I pee a lot. So that day, I'm probably like, you know, I'll, I'll get as much liquids as out as I can before that film. Then go see it, and then I'm just get you know get a big old you know, I'll, I'll still I'll get the popcorn and pop and whatnot, and just try and be conservative. But I want to be able you know hopefully to enjoy you know this movie without having to take a bathroom break. Um, but man, three hour film, I ain't complaining. But good God, that's a it's a long movie. I don't remember seeing. <laughs> I remember going to watch a movie, thinking like, "Damn, like this movie's going on for a while now." But there, there's people, you know, of course, people bigger nerds than I, than I am, go into very. They go into detail with this kind of stuff. So, and people are wondering what's gonna happen, who's gonna die, this and that. The popular one, popular theories, there people are saying that Captain America is going to die because uh, the man playing Captain America, Chris Evans, is done. I guess he's done, done. Now, apparently, you know, the Russo brothers that written and directed uh, Infinity War are doing Endgame as well. They hinted at, like, it's going to be, your theories are just going to be, it's going to be off the wall. So I'm trying to think of something that's just going to be way out in left field, like, because they say, you know, they're discrediting all these theories, and of course, you know, they're supposed to, but they said their predictions for them for this film, you have to think of something that's just way beyond them what you think, you know, it's not going to be the typical... It, it basically they're making it sound like Captain America is gonna make it. So thinking, you know, I thought start, I thought Iron Man was gonna die in the first one, and he almost did, but that wasn't the case. So, um, I feel like they said way out in left park, way out in left field, whatever. I think. Um, possibly, I would think maybe they'll do Ant-Man, you know what I mean? Or Black Widow, or if they really want to throw a curveball somehow, some way, they'll do Captain Marvel. That's my theory. Now, hear me out. I think what the Russo brothers are doing, this is just my off the wall theory. I think, you know, they they recently, the last Marvel film was Captain Marvel, her standalone film, because that was leading up after Infinity War, when Nick Fury, you know, did his last hurrah call, whatever, and pages Marvel, Captain Marvel. So, I think, like, they're somehow, some way down the line... I think, you know, uh, Avengers get their squad together. It's like, hey, we have an ace in the hole in Captain Marvel. 
And I think Thanos <laughs> somehow, some way, you know, beats Captain Marvel. And now we're halfway through the film and fans are going to be like, what the hell? So I don't know how. Because I, you know, I kind of looked at the trailer more than once. And you see the Infinity Gauntlet. It's kind of bruised, battered. Burned Thanos' hand with all the Infinity Stones, this and that. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. But I think that's just my, my off-the-wall theory. The Russo brothers are saying, you know, you got you to gotta think beyond that than typical, like, oh, Captain America. Captain America's gonna die because Chris Evans is leaving. They say that's not the point. So I don't know. <laughs> that's the only theory I could think of. I think there I think that's the curveball. I think that's the gist of it. So um I'll leave, I, I I'd be more than happy to hear some of y'all's theories on that. Um but either way, um <laughs> we're eight days away. Uh, it's gonna be fun gonna be dope it's gonna make like a trillion dollars 10 years in the making it's and like i said this i think the dark knight is still the greatest superhero movie of all time but this it this with all this hype it has that chance with endgame but that being said i'm gonna take a quick little break and you're listening to injured reserve podcast Welcome back to Injured Reserve. The NBA playoffs started, and one of my favorite players I like to follow, I don't have a particular team that I root for when it comes to NBA. I just, mainly, I root for players and I follow them. Uh, One of the players I've I've followed for the past couple years that I always liked was uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, I gotta admit, um, you know, it's there's no defending Russell Westbrook now when it comes to NBA playoffs. Can't disregard his talent. Can't disregard his work ethic. The man is just an absolute machine. He's like the, the energizer bunny. He just keeps on going. He don't stop. The problem is that he doesn't stop. His motor's constantly running, but at the same time, he's trying too hard, and in a sense, um, you know, it's just, the man is shooting around 20-25% from the three in this first round against Portland. Portland is just shutting down Oklahoma City. Post Kevin Durant era, ever since he left for Golden State, Russell Westbrook is three and thirteen in playoffs. Um, you know, and it's hard to, you know, the man, someone that's, you know, three consecutive seasons triple doubles. You know, and I always said this: this era of NBA is, you know, 
really soft and you know you can't hand check you can't even, you know there's no elbows thrown you can hardly two men that can grab go up and grab for a board of you know both opposing teams you know eventually a, a foul is going to get called on the same play so players really you know you don't even have to fight for the ball nowadays uh it's a three-point era and at the same time 10 years ago this was things were different you know 10 years ago it was cool to be a point guard and drive to the hole and make dynamic plays this and that diamond dash and that and all that you know Derek rose john wall russell westbrook that was 10 years ago and that would have worked 10 years ago but now three-point era no matter who you are point guard center power forward it's cool to, the three-point thing is the trend it's cool and that's it People like high-scoring games. There's no defense, and that's that. Final score is 132 to 120. <laughs> that used to be all-star numbers, all-star game numbers. Now it's the regular season number. That's just the thing, you know. So, and I feel bad for Russell Westbrook because he's that type of guard that you know that drives down to the hole. But, and he's trying too hard in this series against Portland because he's shooting the ball and he's never been truly a shooter. Um, his previous game, he was about give or take six to twenty from the field, and we're seeing right before our eyes that his his body slowly starting to deteriorate. And I've made this comparison before. He's on the trend of being the next AI. It comes to a point where it's just like okay. Oklahoma City's got to look at him like, is he becoming a liability or an asset? He brings in the numbers. He brings in the fans. He sells the jerseys. He sells the merchandise. But it's just like, we're not getting past the first round. And if we do, we just get bumped in the second. So it's just like, this man's putting up numbers, not just statistically when it comes to the NBA, but also in attendance for our fans. And that's great. But it's just like, man, we won a championship. <laughs> so, to be fair, it's not 100% on him. Uh, you know, Paul George, he, he's here and there sometimes. The rest of the team, Enos Cantor, all those guys, Steven Adams, they're never really dynamic players. You know what I mean? If anything, Russell Westbrook has had the least help of any other superstar in the league. You look at the typical, you know, LeBron James, Steph Curry, even prior to Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant now, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, you know, the era of the big three that started to become a thing back in 2011 or 2008, whatever it was, when Boston started it, you know, even Kobe Bryant had a one star during his whole tenure. He had Shaq, Shaq was gone. Kobe struggled a little bit, you know, and he's like, I can't win a, I can't win a championship with my, you know, I'm the Batman and my Robin is Smush Parker, you know what I mean, so they picked up Paul Gasol and that was it, they won not one but two titles, and then after that, you know, Kobe started to age, he started to get hurt, and then Miami Heat, 
they became, you know, the bullies that people forget. Miami Heat was the original bullies before Golden State was. They were stacked. LeBron James, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, four all-stars. People forget that. LeBron James has had the most help of any other superstar in NBA history. Then it's Kevin Durant. People forget <laughs> Kevin Durant was a free agent when he left Oklahoma City. People were mad at him because he was a free agent. He can go anywhere he wants. He's a free man. He has the right to do whatever he wants. He went to Golden State. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> Golden State just became a powerhouse. They became the Infinity Stones. So it's just like Golden State already formed their original team. Nobody joined them. Draymond was drafted. Clay, Steph, they were all drafted by Golden State. They just happened to pick up Kevin Durant in free agency. And I think, you know, Durant, Westbrook, they just they weren't working. I think, you know, and part of it was because of Durant, and part of it was because of Westbrook. They never saw things through. They let their pride become the fall of that franchise. So, Russell Westbrook is doing what Damian Lillard is doing for Portland. He's just doing it better. He has better communication, I think. Significantly better help. C.J. McCollum, definitely a big role player for him. So, Portland's going to end this series. And I think Oklahoma City, they're going to, you know, look at their roster and look what they have to do. And that's what Philly did with AI. You know, and you saw what AI, he brought a Philly team that he practically had no help. He had an aging Matumbo. Eric Snow could play some defense, but that was it. A, I didn't have anyone for that 2000 squad when they faced L.A. They lost in five games, and they, they took the upset game one in L.A. And, you know, after that, A.I. struggled in Philly. They never went back to the championship. And I think, you know, after a few years, Philly was like, you know what? He's putting up the numbers, but we're getting bumped in the first, second round. We're going to go a different direction. He went to Denver, and I think, you know, Oklahoma City, similar scenario. They make the championship back in, what, 2012? They lose to Miami Heat, and, you know, they were still young. James Harden was on that squad, but he wasn't the James Harden of Houston. And Russell Westbrook, he was only in his second year. I think he was still a young gun. He was a baby. And so was Durant. So I think after this season, I wouldn't say next this se- this upcoming season, but about two years, we'll see Russell Westbrook somewhere else. It's just similar to like AI scenario. It's just like we went we went to the championship with you. We appreciate everything you've done. I think it's time to part ways. We're going to go a different direction and start from the ground up again. So, and, you know, it's a shame because, you know, it's how do you let a guy like that with three consecutive seasons put up triple doubles and you're like, we got to let him go. Who does that? (laughs) But 
Those triple doubles don't mean anything when you're losing. Out of the past three years, you're three and thirteen in playoff uh, record. So it's it's a hard thing to come come to reality with, especially like I said, I'm a I'm a Russell Westbrook fan, but it is what it is, and you know it's it's time to look forward to something else, something new. Start start scouting in the in the draft, college. Who's the next up and comer? Yeah, sure, you'll take a hit in the attendance, ticket sales, and you know you'll be a subpar team if anything. But once you know, it's for the better, because what's his his body's gonna start to deteriorate. And next season, it's only going to get, you know, I don't want to say worse because I don't wish bad on on anyone or anything. But, I mean, he's been in the league almost 10 years now. So, can't keep putting up those triple-doubles forever. And even if he does somehow do it for a fourth consecutive season, which would be nuts. Um, I mean, like I said... Can you get out the first round of the playoffs? That's the question. So, um, but, you know, Russell Westbrook, you know, he's trying to do what Damian Lillard is doing for Portland right now. He wants to be the the franchise guy. He wants to be that dude, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you lose someone like Kevin Durant on your team. It's just Damian Lillard is just doing it better. Like I said, C.J. McCollum, he's been, you know, the perfect role player for Damian. And, you know, Damian's going to be a lifer in Portland. They're going to get out this first round, and we'll see where they go from there. But, man, it's just a, it's a hard thing to watch, especially as a fan. No doubt, no doubt. But let's switch things around. Uh, this past weekend, UFC 236. Um... I was one for two on my predictions. I had Max Holloway beating Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier pulled off, I wouldn't say an upset, but, you know, he surprised me. He won by decision, beating Max Holloway straight up. And uh, I missed the, uh, the, 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 the slugfest between Israel Adesanya and Kevin Gaussium. Man, what a, what a fight that was. Definitely probably... That'd be one of the top fights of 2019. Um, you know, and Kevin, uh, for a guy that size and middleweight, being 5'9", I'm 5'9". And for him to throw those heavy hands, that's just, you know, he came out swinging in the first first round. And, you know, in Israel Adesanya, you know, he was kind of, he was stung a few times, no doubt. But he, he showed his, uh, his courage. And his perseverance. And uh, Kevin did the same thing. You know, um, in round five, Israel Adesanya had Kevin on the on the cage and had him hurt. He had him stung and should have been out a few times. But Kevin never gave up. And he had that adversity and perseverance as well. So it was a close fight. It was a solid fight. Israel got that interim title W. He won the co-main event. And uh, now he's the interim middle, middleweight champion. 
So now it's going to be him and I believe Robert Whitaker somewhere down the line. And <laughs> um, Israel Adesanya is already, uh, you know, he, him being, uh, God, I can't remember his record. Hold on. what Google's for. Uh, he's 17 and 0. So, I would love here here's a couple of potential matchups I would love to see. So, if Israel maintains an unblemished record, say he beats Whitaker, goes 18 and 0, right? So, and I want to say I want to say have it happen right away. But at the same time, I, I kind of do cuz you never know what happens. So say he beats Robert Whitaker, he's 18 and 0, right? So I think the money fight, because he's already, you know, thrown some couple jabs at like John Jones via social media. Social media and, and, and John Jones, you know, that's two and two together. They've gone back and forth a little bit here and there. So John Jones. If he stays undefeated, he has Thiago Santos. That's not a fight until July. I would love to see those two go up. Because Israel's middleweight. He can move up in light light heavyweight. But he's even stated until I'm not ready. He's like, I can beat him now. I can go toe-to-toe with him. But personally for me, I want to destroy him. And I can go, you know, head-to-head with him. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that's basically in the sense what he said. So, if those two meet with an unblemished record, and no, you know, diluted drug substance, no failed drug tests, John stays clean, Israel stays clean, I would love it. I mean, John's like, I don't know, (laughs) he's 20-something to know. Two undefeated fighters, I would say, doing... Make it, make it, you know, be fair about it. I would say, you know, a catchweight class, 195. That's fair. You know, John goes down 10 pounds. Israel moves up 10 pounds. That is a fair fight. Catchweight bout, I would love to see that. Undefeated, undefeated. And then same thing with Ben Askren. You know, he has a fight against Jorge. Uh, I'm going to chop up his name. Mazadevel. And that's a couple a uh, couple weeks. Ben Askren's undefeated. He's twenty and zero. So if he if he's able to pull up this W, beats Jorge, he'd be twenty and one and zero. And hey, that's a perfect fight for a lightweight bout between him and Khabib. I would love to see that. America, Russia, undefeated, undefeated. That'd be awesome. I would love that. So. Dana White, make it happen. That'd be dope. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. The pay-per-view numbers, man. I definitely scope out that fight. No doubt about it. But that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break. And you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast.
Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve Podcast. This will be the final segment of the day. So finally, after about, oh God, almost two years, I want to say, after about 20 months, that's just an estimate, um, Game of Thrones Season 8 is finally back. Um, so we pick up, and they did a quick recap here in Episode 1. Not a lot of flashes or style, you know what I mean? So, And I thought maybe they'll, they'll start out fresh off the gate hot, right? So they didn't. You know, they're just kind of slowly proceeding to this, you know, soon to up-and-coming final standoff of this war between the White Walkers and everyone and Winterfell and all that. So for all my Game of Thrones f- fans... Um, Personally, I got to rewatch the whole series again because I, I remember a few things in this first episode of season eight. I was like, OK, I remember this character, that character. I'm just like, man, like I'm so far gone, like because it's been so long. Because the last time I watched Game of Thrones, I literally didn't start watching until about two years ago and I binged everything. Before, you know, and I was able to catch up to season seven uh, during that time when they had season seven come out in the summer. And then um, after that, they were like, yeah, we're going to be, you know, it won't be out next next year, but in 2019. So I wish I would have watched, rewatched the whole series again just to get a better understanding of what's going on. But I somewhat remember a few things, and I just want y'all's input on it. I'm not too sure how everything's going to go down. I haven't watched any videos or theories. Um, It's crazy just to see the character development from these past eight seasons, though. You know, and it's you see someone that's innocent as Ari Stark, this little girl, you know, and her being a woman now, a young woman. And, you know, seeing her father, you know, what he had to go through as a king. And, you know, the whole nine, seeing the character development and the the show in general is just amazing. You you see someone that was cute and innocent and now they're, I I won't say dark and deranged, but they're dark, but for a particular well reason and why they are still living. So, and you see the mountain, you see the hound. Jon Snow and Daenerys and all this and how everything just kind of intertwines and how families are it's it's confusing like I said I have to re-watch the series because it's just confusing on how some of these families intertwine and it's just like it's weird in a sense because there is like some incest and it's disgusting <laughs> But the show is dope, though. So it's just like I can't disregard the writing and the character development and the emotions that they attract you into this this damn show. And, you know, and and for all the people, I definitely make it past like the first season or two. I say watch two seasons and then go off from there. Because, you know, not every show is for everyone. You know, it's you not being a hater. Just it is what it is. It's like me with The Office. I, I never cared for The Office. I tried watching The Office. I didn't think it was funny. I don't think Steve Carell's all that funny or the rest of the cast. So that's just me. 
it's a particular set of humor. It's a it's an acquired taste. Just isn't my kind of show. That's just me. So in Game of Thrones isn't for everyone either. But I just suggest I'm like watch the first two seasons and after that you can go from there. And it's it's like almost you know with Breaking Bad with me. When I watched Breaking Bad, I almost gave up on it. The first two seasons were kind of dry. The first season was definitely dry. But I kept in it. And I'm like, all right, you know. So, I after the first two seasons, I almost gave up. But season three started to pick up, and they again another show that was focused on character development and how dark uh, Walter White became. And um, it, it was a phen- phenomenal show. One of the best AMC original series has ever had. Probably the best show they ever had in their program. So. Um, Brian Craston did a phenomenal job playing that role. You go from this sweet, innocent high school science teacher to this dark uh, and just uh, maniacal, uh, calculated uh, meth king. <laughs> this this dude that you know makes all the the creates all these drugs, this and that, and for him just to be able to outsmart everyone. And why he became so self-righteous and bitter uh, along with his past of people that he's occurred in, in before before him becoming a teacher and why he became a teacher. So it's just everything that how it intertwines and how that particular character came to be that's similar to Game of Thrones. So it's just something to look forward to, something to check out. Like I said, it, give it two seasons. The seasons aren't long. They're short. I think the first season's actually like maybe 10 episodes, maybe eight, I think. So it's not that long. Each episode's about an hour. Give it a shot. You know, especially around this time. I mean, we got, if you want to wait it out, that's fine. You got the NHL and NBA playoffs. But after after June, you know, when playoffs are done, and not much is really going on. You got baseball, but baseball is really only entertaining, you know, if you're at a live event for most people, you know what I mean? So if you enjoy watching baseball on the tube, that's cool. But anything else, there's really nothing really popular that's on in the summertime. So everything that's, you know, that's becoming a trend that's hot right now with movies or sports, it's happening right now with summer approaching. So give it a thought. Uh, I'm happy Game of Thrones is back. Give it a shot. Uh, you'll learn to like, uh, I'm trying to think of the dude's name. He's he's a shorter dude, uh, He's but he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, you'll enjoy him. Like I said, character development in the show, definitely pivotal for, for a lot of, for the series in general and how things are, why the things they are, you know, if, if that's the best way of saying it, so kind of messing up my words here it's it's hard to find the words for this particular show but with that being said i'm happy you know uh we're in a good era right now game of thrones season eight is back avengers endgame eight days away shazam is out i'm gonna check that out probably soon along with uh i'll probably check out hellboy even though i've heard mixed reviews on it uh Loki, I'm a Hellboy fan. I like Dark Horse comics. They're very underrated. I like how they're independent. 
you know, they're Marvel DC do their own thing and Dark Horse Comics do their own thing with Hellboy. And I hope we see more. Uh, I like David Harbaugh because, you know, he did a good job in Stranger Things. He's playing Hellboy. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping this would be like not a, a, a revamp, but a Hellboy 3. But I realized the original Hellboy 1 and 2 was phenomenal. Done Well done by Ron Perlman. For those who don't know who Ron Perlman is, he was in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he was in Blade 2. So I'm trying to think of some other work he's done. But either way, that's the he did a phenomenal job. I enjoyed Hellboy 1 and 2. So this one I heard mixed reviews, but I'll probably go see it either way. Because like I said, I'm a fan. So uh, you never know until you try it out yourself. So with that being said, that concludes my episode of today. I hope everyone has a great week. It's Thursday. Like I said, it's a little dark, dreary, cloudy, and rainy. Especially up here in the Midwest, good old Michigan. But with that being said, I hope everyone has a great day, great weekend, uh, and happy Easter as well. So I'm out of here.